that shorty with the fat back, moving to the vibes. Say I'm just about my habitat, play a little bit of that, keep it with my tribe. Right? I'm saying it's a known fact, show them nigga no acts, so I fall in line. I'm out to get mine, whoa, whoa, nigga see me shy. Right? Catch me baked outside, wondering daily why, why? Would you let me get behind? Maybe just close your eyes. Fucking vibes, do 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 do, and we rage until they lie. Things are getting early, got my whiskey by my side. Soaring through my world, and I'm about to take a dive. This is just a sadness in me, sad times. Just another evening, and I'm needing Uh, ready, go set, we won't hold you neither. Salute when you see that nigga. Tell him go off when you see him, greet him. Talking shit, fuck ya. Nothing in the cold one nice. This is my life, all my nights. Walking like I just come all all this ice. said offline uh before i hit record this is super super ad hoc bro i just kind of keep it really chill um first and foremost and no shade to any of the other co-hosts right like i didn't mean that necessarily in the in the instagram post but um i think in any in any content medium you kind of gravitate to to certain energies or voices or perspectives and for whatever reason um i think i gravitated to you make you make some pretty bold statements dude um so that's number one (laughs) number two uh, I don't know. You just, you have a charisma and a certain way of of sharing your points of views, and so I don't know. I fuck with it, so I figured I'd reach out to you and have you on the podcast. So I do appreciate you doing this, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I didn't take what you said as any you know thing, anything disrespectful to my co-host or like it was shade. I understand what you meant, and I appreciate that you uh, feel that way about me. It's actually uh, flattering. Facts. No, I appreciate that, bro. I appreciate I appreciate you coming on. Um, all right, well, let's go, let's do this kind of, again, I'm a very ad hoc guy. I like to kind of go all over the place. I think kind of like I shared with you in the beginning, um, via Instagram, this podcast is a little bit of everything, right? So the, the title project LLV legacy lifestyle values, essentially, you know, in a, in my real world, right? My day to day, you know, I run a couple brands. I, uh, I have another podcast, like in the just the pure business world. I've done like 500 episodes in that medium. You know, I speak, I write, I do a bunch of shit in that world where frankly, I don't know, bro. Like it just, it's headaches. It's like suit and tie type shit. It's, it's all of the above that you can imagine. Um, so I created this particular medium and this podcast, honestly, to just be who I am. Um, and, mm-hmm. and to talk about 
lots of shit, right? Whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's fashion, um, whether it's, I, I like to talk a lot about mental health and just, just thinking differently and just trying to toy with the mind and, and try to play with your perspectives and see which one is going to work based off of your goals. We talk about a lot of shit. And so hence, you know, project legacy lifestyle values, that's, you know, kind of connected to the title. And, uh, and so, yeah, you know, I think the first thing we can do here is how did, uh, how did not only the podcast start for you, but like what's your name, your age, uh, just where'd you grow up? Like, what's like the, the, the 90 second origin story of, of, of who you are, you think? I would say the 90 second origin story of who I am is a, a charismatic person, a hustler. I think I do whatever I can to try to succeed. And the origin story of Pick Aside, I mean, it was just, it started in November 2019, around that time, October. I would say the summer of 2019, where I was really hell-bent on creating a sports podcast. I wasn't sure how I was going to go about it. Uh, at first, it was just going to be me. I had a lot of inspirations along the way. And what kind of pushed me to the edge of actually getting it off the ground was my grandmother's death, who I was really close to. And when, when she passed away, I can remember she passed away in her room and in the room over in the living room of the house. Um, I was with my cousin, we were talking about, you know, goals and I was talking about the podcast and what I wanted it to be and how I wanted it to be started. And I came up with the name pick aside right there. Uh, it was kind of like a bittersweet day because at one hand, it's a great memory, but also a, a sad one. At the same time, I came up with the name, and I started it off with Riv and, and JC. We got it off the ground running. And just from there, you know, being consistent, doing it twice a week, sometimes three times a week, and just getting out content all year long, I think that's just – it's just been a uh, – I, I think the word hustler goes hand-in-hand hand with my personality, just doing whatever it takes to – to be a household podcast in the industry and to, and to be known, I think that was my goal from the start. And to see it come into fruition was a, a very humbling feeling. No, facts. I appreciate that. And I'm sorry about your grandmother, brother. That was a few years now. So I'm, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you feel a lot better now, but that probably wasn't a, a fun experience for you at that time, you know? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's that summer she had been dealing with breast cancer and that entire summer, it was me, my aunt, my cousin, my mom taking care of her. And, you know, it just happened to be your time. You know, I'm just glad that she passed away in a peaceful manner because we know that uh, usually that's not always the case, you know, when, when it pertains to death. No, I hear you. H how old are you? I'm 22 years old. I'm turning 23 in oh, June. You're young. Okay, so, you, so you're a young hustler out here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, it's funny because whenever, when, when you're growing up and you're a certain age, you're a teenager, when somebody says that they're like 22, 23, you think it's so old. And even now, like I, I'm starting to feel old, even though that I know I'm young and you're saying I'm young. It, it's funny because I actually feel old. You feel old, you think? Yeah, I, feel, I definitely, I, I definitely feel old. I think 22 is that like. At least in my head, I think of 22 as that age to where 
you're young, not old. I think 23, you're now starting to turn that corner. You're getting closer to 25. Then when you get to 25 and plus, you're like, okay, now in the eyes of society, at least you're already supposed to have everything figured out and everything Mm -hmm. planned. And in that sense, I do feel old. That's interesting. Um, I'm 31. So Mm -hmm. thinking about 22, and you probably have heard this, right? Because like, you know, in, in retrospect, 22, 31, I probably would be like, you know, you know, like a, like a, like a, like a older brother type age, right? I'm not old enough to be anyone's, you know, father out here. But, um, when I look back at 22, did I think that was old? Um, possibly. I don't know. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, that the fact I didn't, I didn't expect to say that you were that young, actually sidebar. And I do a lot of this cause I have ADD are all the co-hosts in that 20, 22 to let's call it 25, 26 age range. Or are you all of you in the same age? Yeah, we're all pretty much the same age. If uh, we're not twenty two or twenty three, nice. or just turned twenty three, I, I went to high school with everybody that's on the podcast. Oh, uh, we weren't we weren't the closest in high school. Uh, we started to build a relationship as the podcast uh, progressed, but everybody like Drew, Joel, Riv are all a year ahead of me. Uh, when I was a junior, they were seniors. JC was in my same grade and he was a, a real close childhood friend. So everybody on the team is basically the same age. And when talking about people that are actually like in the team, like our editor, John, he's actually the youngest. He's 18 years old and he edits our stuff and he, he's a great basketball mind. I think that he's going to be somebody that's going to be a household name uh, in the content creation space because he's very knowledgeable. And that's, and that's what was the interesting thing about it. Right? Like, I think again, like, Switching over to like, and I keep saying the real world and, you know, my nine to five day to day shit. Like I've done podcasting so much, right. And speaking so much that I'm very familiar and I understand kind of like trying to take the content game and and make it a career. And, And that was probably the first thing that stuck out to me, right? Like what honestly stuck out to me is that you, you guys weren't a bunch of kids or a bunch of young fellas that were that we're just talking shit. Like you guys are super thoughtful about, you know, your, your, your rants around, right. Anything, right. I mean, you guys go from, you guys pretty much cover it most sports, but I think you probably stick in the NFL and NBA pocket for right now. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, that's Um, true. But you guys sound, you guys sound very knowledgeable. Like uh, I'm quite sure you, like you guys pull up stats and data. Like you actually know what the fuck you're saying, which is important. Um, and so I respect that. Is is that the goal for you personally? Like, do you, like, what do you do in your day to day? Like, 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 how do you, uh, how do you wake up each day and, and, and have enough food to eat breakfast? Like, what, what is your, what do you do daily? I think that is the goal, uh, trying to sound knowledgeable and knowing what we're talking about. When we first started the podcast and when I started the podcast and came up with the name, the idea was about having a show that is different from mainstream sports shows first take and uh first things first and undisputed it's not lacking debate per se but it's more so being genuine and having genuine conversations and not trying to overreact to things and not trying to basically be super biased and actually know what we're talking about and i think having two episodes across the week helps us do enough research to actually be knowledgeable about what we're talking about you know, credit to these guys. These guys are on TV in the morning every day. It's hard to watch that much basketball and know exactly what mm-hmm. you're talking about. 
So I think that was the first goal. And how I wake up day to day, I think as of recently, it's been starting to change. I've been trying to at least be consistent with the gym because I've been trying to go on this weight loss yeah. journey. But um, I would say, I guess, how I wish I would wake up every day is I wish I'd wake up every day and for the first two hours of the day, watch some film or some highlights. And I used to do that, but as of recently, I've been getting away from it just because I've been more busy. Watch some games and some highlights, do a lot of research and reading and just, just know what's going on across the league. Um, and then go to the gym, come back home, and just do some more of that on top of the schoolwork that I have. So that's how I wish my days would go. I mean, during the summer, when I had time, I would watch maybe three, four basketball games a day. Uh, before uh, A day before the show, we have our topic list, and based on the topics that we have, I watch about like two games from each team to kind of get a sense of where they're at. And during the football season, I watch – more than half of the games that happened that past Sunday during the week. So I have a sense of where each team is at. So I try to study as much as I can. And you saying that we sound like we're knowledgeable is much appreciated because I think that's the goal. And I think the goal is to only expand from there and to be more knowledgeable about the sport. Because even though we are young and people do fairly think we're not hot take machines, I want us to get in the world to where basketball players come and respect us and come and respect what we have to say. And they don't think we're just another hot take show that's trying to spew a narrative that we are a group of people that do our homework and we try to offer as much information that is non-biased and that is in, that is helpful to the basketball community. At the end of the day, we want to grow we want to grow the basketball community. We want to grow um, basically how fans view the game and not trying to view it in so much of a lens of uh, the narratives that a lot of these sports shows spew right, out. No, I understand that. I hear that. And uh, so Jersey, I'm hearing a bit of, and this is probably because my girl, um, well, my girl, she, she's going to kill me. She listened my fiance. <laughs> let me, let me make that correct. You know how women are like, she's going <laughs> to kill me. So my fiance, not my girl, not my girlfriend, my fiance, uh, she is originally from Jersey. So are you like literally Jersey? Or are you like New York and Jersey family from New York? I can hear, and I can hear it in all of your kind of voices, but I know a lot of that comes from Jersey as well. Like the Jersey, New York accents are pretty common at times. Is, is Are you just Jersey or you spent some time in New York or family from New York? I'm just Jersey. Uh, Riv, he's from New York. He actually lives in Harlem currently. Drew is mostly Jersey, even though he would say that uh, he, he was born in Brooklyn, so he has some ties there. Joel is from Hackensack. JC's from Patterson in Jersey. And I'm from Jersey. I, I think we would all we would all claim Hackensack, New Jersey, as our hometown. And the reason why people can kind of think we're from New York is because in the way we talk and we speak, we are very New Yorkish. And that's because we're from North Jersey. Hackensack is literally 15 minutes away from New York. So we are closer there. I'm not one that visits New York much, but I, you know, me growing up, I was very influenced by hip hop. I used to make music and used to write some raps. So just in that and just being, I think, very interested in the culture, I grew fond of, I guess, embracing a New York type of attitude and accent. But we all claim Hackensack, New Jersey, as our hometown, and that's what we're repping. No, I hear you. Um, okay, so... 
podcast, 22, Jersey, got a nice crew of people around you, right? Grew up together to some degree in high school. Uh, what what do you actually, and you're still in school right now. Are you in your, are you a senior? Like I heard you say school, you still, are you a senior now? Or what's that like? I'm a junior, junior currently at Montclair State University. Which one? Uh, Montclair got State it, University. Got it, got it. And did you or anyone else play sports in high school or growing up a lot? Or is it just uh, you've always had a passion or an interest around it? It's a little bit of both. Uh, Andrew grew up playing baseball, basketball, but he was mostly a baseball player, a very good one at that. River grew up playing basketball. He played on AAU teams uh, in high school. Uh, I played on my high school team in high school. I played on AAU club teams and travel teams as well. JC also played on AAU teams, and he, I would say right now, is the best basketball player amongst all of us. And, and Joel, I'm not sure what he did in terms of sports, but he is 6'5", so he's definitely the tallest one out of all of us. And um, I, I would just say, yeah, we all played sports to some degree, whether it was for an AAU team or high school team. So we do have experience playing sports, but it's not anything extensive like at the college level or, or the professional level. For the most part, we are just fans talking about uh, these fair, athletes. Fair. And the reason why, and I got to give you context on myself. So um, I was a running back in high school as well as a, a middle linebacker. So, you know, I was a in high school here. I mean, you're on the East Coast. I'm, I'm from Baltimore. I actually never told you exactly where I'm at. So I'm in Maryland. So I'm actually not too far from you guys. So. There used to be, as you know, in high school, you have the Under Armour game, you have the the this game, and then there were always like these tier two, um, all American type tiers, and obviously you have all state. So I made all state in high school, all county, um, all city, and then I went. To, I don't know if you're familiar with this, and you might be since you're from Jersey. Are you familiar with the powerhouse? Uh, people try to stun. I think it's a powerhouse because they they get to the national championship or at least close to it every year. My personal opinion. Well, it's objective. It's not even an opinion. Um, are you familiar with Wesley, the college D3 school, Wesley? Yeah, so I, am. I played at Wesley for a year, and then I transferred over to West Virginia and then uh, went to jail <laughs> to be transparent. Uh, <laughs> but um, And everyone knows that on the podcast, so I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed of it now. And I was at 19. I'm now 31, so um, fuck it. But um, I figured it out, right? But, um, but yeah, so that, from, from my angle, that's kind of what I'm – why I'm so passionate about sports and why I'm so knowledgeable to some degree around football and other sports, because that was my entire life, bro. Like I, I was that guy. I was that kid that, that had the trainers from 12 years old that, you know, you know, was, was, was 218 as a senior in high school, you know, benching 225, like 28 times and was trying to, you know, get to that next level and always wanted to be an underarm all, all American and, you know, didn't have the grades to go to D1, even though I had the size and had to go to, you know, had to go to Wesleyan and transfer over to West Virginia. And then, you know, so, you know, and, and at the time for me, you know, if you do the age thing, you know, I was there with, and I was never as good as these folks. So please, you, you'll never find me if you look me up, but I was there with like Geno Smith and Tavon Austin and, and, um, and, uh, what was the other guy name? Uh, oh my God, Steve, uh, Jesus Christ. Are you familiar with West Virginia around that time? I know. I know about Geno Smith and Tavon Austin because of how electric they were, but I, I can't yeah. name other players. Yeah, there was that a couple team. people. And that, and that was when, that was when, in my personal opinion, and, and, and West Virginia is starting to rev up a little bit again, but that's when West Virginia was, they were not joking around. Like, West Virginia quite literally at an at objective level was trying to 
to make some noise. And so that's kind of like my background, I guess, just from like context perspective um, of why I was excited to talk to you and bring you on here. Because frankly, I don't talk about sports as much as I hope that I, and wish, frankly, that I wanted to talk about on this podcast. And uh, yeah, so I, I know a thing or two, I guess. So I think we'll be able to have a some sort of an educational conversation about some things. Yeah, I'm excited so, to have you. Sure, for sure. So let's do this. Um, got to know you a bit. Background, homies on the podcast, doing well. La- last thing, actually, on the podcast, since I'm, you know, I've got this business mind, I've noticed you guys have 90 uh, reviews, which now that it makes sense, like the, the level of scale, you know, because once you get to like 90 or 100 reviews on the podcast and you're staying at that 4.9 consistent rating, you start to pop up naturally and organically through through the different channels of, of podcasts, you know, uh, distribution channels. But, w- you know, what are you guys doing besides TikTok? I think you guys, that's where some of those clips are coming from, right, TikTok? Yeah, uh, well, we're on everything. So it's not it's not just TikTok. I mean, we're on YouTube. We have 14,000 subscribers okay. on there. We get over, you know, 200,000 views a month. And I, I didn't even know that. I, I didn't even know about the uh, the review rating system. I knew that it was a thing, but I didn't know that once you get to that 100 point, they start pushing yeah. your podcast yeah. organically. Um, I, I think for us, we haven't really tried to push people to review our stuff. I know that other podcasts, like they would host like contests and stuff like that to pick up their rating. Uh, we don't try to do that, even though it's probably a good idea. Uh, we're on TikTok, over 100,000 followers on there. Instagram around 3,800 uh, Twitter at 700. Got to get that up. But for the most part, we're on every single social media outlet, whether from it's from Facebook to TikTok. We're on YouTube. We have a YouTube shorts channel for our podcast specifically. Um, and in terms of just audio streaming platforms, we're on, we're on every single platform. And, and, and what and and, and, I, and I know, you know, from a marketing standpoint, TikTok is so organic. So um I know a lot of the marketing probably is pretty seamless on that element, but besides that, I mean, you know, how are you, you know, how, you know, to get to 14,000 consistently, you know, how is that happening? Like, how, like what, what tactics, what, who, who on the team is thinking about those things? It's all organic and oh, nothing, uh, it's nothing, all, uh, nothing just posting. No, like we don't, we haven't paid for any promotion on any single outlet, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, nothing. We've paid for no advertisements. Um, it's all been organic. It's all been posting. And our following on Instagram and Twitter mostly is made up of our following from mm. TikTok and YouTube. YouTube has its own thing. TikTok has its own thing. Instagram, with the rise of Instagram Reels, it's really helped our channel out, uh, our, our page out, I should say. Um, but it's all been organic. It's all just been posting, being consistent, and doing this at a... Uh, at I guess at a rate where people no, respect it. I hear you. Congratulations, man. Um, so, are you ready to talk? And I know you've already talked about this. I checked out the podcast. I know you've already given your thoughts. But let's let's maybe get your like some granular, you know, one or two most pressing thoughts that are just coming out of your head regarding the the Super Bowl. Let's let's talk about this, bro. What, what what's what's the first thing that pops out when you think about the Super Bowl and the, and the outcome? I think it was a storybook ending. Um, it was, I think, the best possible outcome that could have happened in terms of a storyline standpoint. Matthew Stafford coming from Detroit, winning with the Rams. I think that was one of the better stories in the NFL. 
a bunch of players solidified their careers like Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, OBJ, Jalen Ramsey, Andrew Whitworth. I don't think there was a villain in this Super Bowl. And the Bengals, they were a team that it was one of the surprises of the NFL. Nobody expected them to be in this position. And because of that, I think it might have been a little bit better for the game that the Rams won. Although I was rooting for the Bengals, I wanted Joe Burrow to win. I think the Bengals have a lot of time at least to get back. Whether they get back or not is, you know, we aren't sure, but... They have time. I think for the Rams, it was their time was ticking, and it was a lot of legacies on the line. Sean McVay, you know, had he gone 0-2 in the Super Bowl, we're now talking about him differently, and he didn't call the greatest of games. So I think for the Rams, it just meant a little bit more because of all of the legacies and storylines attached to their team. Yeah, I, I probably have similar feelings. I think, well, just objectively, just on a quick sidebar ADD shit, the Super Bowl halftime show was amazing. Like that was. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah I thought I think, it was really I think good. The NFL did a great job putting that crew together. I think. Um, I think people need to stop giving Fifty Cent shit. I don't think he actually looked that fat, in my personal opinion. Uh, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> it definitely looked like six weeks out. He probably hopped in the gym. You know, you can tell when when you realize you have something coming up. You kind of gotta try to get some shit in order. But uh, yeah, so the Super Bowl, you know, the halftime show was great. I think for the game, what do I think about it? You know, because I actually, you know, and that's one thing about the podcast. I really go ad hoc. I like, I I outline certain topics and I try not to think about them until I hit record. Um, I think for a minute there, did you ever feel like, here's a thought. Did you ever feel for a second there that you didn't know who necessarily you would give the MVP to for a second there when it didn't look like there was a clear definitive it didn't for a second there. I honestly thought the Bengals were going to catch back up, and like I thought they were going to do that. Like I thought it in, in that drive, even I thought it was going to happen. So, was there ever a moment in your time where you like I don't know who I would give this MVP to? Did that ever cross your mind? I think uh, it it did no, it, to fine. be honest because I, I was I was so uh, fixated on the game. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Uh, if if the Bengals had pulled it out and won, I don't see how. Joe hmm. Burrow doesn't win it just off of dealing with that offensive line. And, and the Rams, I think Aaron Donald was dominating pretty much the entire game. I would say actually the entire game. Cooper Cup had that, that drive it, right? at the end that really put him over. And that's why he won MVP, uh, the Super Bowl MVP. But objectively speaking, I think Aaron Donald thank you. should have probably Dude, won thank it. Thank you so much. That's what I was trying to get out of you. And I didn't want to say it directly. I was thinking that the entire game, because you know, again, with just my background, I'm sitting, I'm watching everything, right? I'm watching, I'm watching a D line, I'm watching, I'm watching Jalen, I'm watching just everything, and I'm like, he's killing shit this entire game, and I think, but to your point, Cooper Cup sealed the game with that drive. I mean, that was, he, he made big plays, and and he got smacked on that play too, and it was tough for him to get up like that. Yeah. And Aaron Donald felt like every single big play, he was there. The biggest play of the game, fourth and one, he completely bulldozes Quentin Spain and it gets to Joe Burrow. And then you look at a, a, thir- a crucial third down when the Bengals are in field goal range. Aaron Donald was the one who wrecked that play, you know, just pushing the Bengals right guard, Adenji. I mean, just bulldozing him as well and getting to Burrow. Like Aaron Donald was was creating pressure all night long. He had eight pressures in that game, which is more than anybody on Cincinnati yeah. combined. I don't know. 
Oh, I just lost my train of thought. I was going to say, uh, oh, what was I going to say? That's crazy. I literally just lost my train of thought in the middle of the sentence. Um, that's wild. Anyway, let me just move past it. What was your thoughts on Matthew Stafford in that game? Like, how did you think he handled 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 those moments and and, and ran that offense? What were your thoughts there? You yeah, said what Matthew were your Stafford. On how he handled the game. I thought he was good. I thought at the beginning of the game, um, he was really good. The offense was moving, was flowing. It got stagnant when OBJ got out the game. I didn't. I didn't think Stafford made any mistakes. I thought there was one throw that I, w- I was like, wow, that's a bit too high. And that's one that they might want back. It was a third and four. But outside of that, I think Matt Stafford pretty much played a clean game. He played a smart game, and he made the throws necessary to put the Rams over the top. he got wasted in, this, in, in, the, in the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl uh, parade there. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I mean, he's enjoying himself. It's funny. I, I, can, I feel like a part of me feels as if he wishes it was mm. Detroit. Uh, the Rams, they have a great fan base, and they de- they're definitely embracing Matthew Stafford. But there's no doubt in my mind, I think Matthew Stafford was hoping that he could have maybe won something for Detroit, given how much he has in that city and how much the city loves him. I think Lions fans made up about like the second most... The TV markets that watch the Super Bowl the most were the Lions and, the, and Cincinnati, so Detroit and Cincinnati. And over half of the people living in in Detroit mm, were watching the Super Bowl. What were, what were your thoughts on uh, Sherman's comments on on uh, on Stafford? I think he was right. Um, I don't think Stafford is a Hall of Famer. He doesn't have a Hall of Fame resume. The player with the least amount of Pro Bowls in a Hall of Fame has three. The player with the least amount of All Pros has one. That means the by default the standard to get in the Hall of Fame is three Pro Bowls and one All Pro at least. Eli Manning, who's been a hot topic in terms of whether or not he should get in the Hall of Fame, he has four Pro Bowls. So he at least meets the Pro Bowl minimum requirement. And he's also a two-time Super Bowl champion and two-time Super Bowl MVP. Matthew Stafford's a Super Bowl champion, but he didn't win a Super Bowl MVP, and he's a one-time Pro Bowler. I'm not saying that he hasn't gotten snubbed in the past because he's definitely gotten snubbed. I looked at 2011. I looked at this year where he's gotten snubbed, and had that happened, he's a three-time Pro Bowler. I would have no argument against him getting in but as of now as it currently stands his resume resumes don't care about context it's whether you did it it's on your resume or it's not and the fact of the matter is that he's a one-time pro bowler and he doesn't have the resume to get you into probably the know of this fame. offhand but i'm gonna pull it up here just to try to get like the accuracy on this how, dude how did he not make what the f- dude he threw for Let's just roll it up here. He threw for 5,000 yards, 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and 102.9 rate. How, how did he not make How did he not make the Pro Bowl this year? How did he I don't even know. Uh, Kyler Murray made it over him. I think what's even more egregious is I look back to 2011 where he threw 41 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, and Eli Manning and Cam Newton made it over him. I think that was more egregious. But you're right, you know, he was definitely snubbed this year. There's no doubt about That's it. That's crazy. I'm just looking at that. I didn't even – I mean, I knew he had a crazy season, but I didn't know the – I mean, those numbers – I mean, those are those are MVP numbers in some years. Yeah, they are. And, and that's why I think uh, you can definitely make the case that he's been snubbed. And if we take into account all the times he's been snubbed, then he definitely makes the uh, – he definitely makes the list as a Hall of Famer, but – 
you know, it's it's just it is what it is. You know, you can't take back what you didn't make. And he he wasn't a Pro Bowler three times. He's only been and, a one time. How Pro old Bowler. is he? Is he thirty? I want to say he's thirty two. Thirty four. He's thirty four. So what do you think he has? Three years, four years. Yep, I think at a high level. I think he could definitely get to two. He can he can be a two time Pro Bowler in these and next I think two years. You'll like this, and you'll probably agree. I think the NFL is a business. Like, here's a sidebar, and this is actually going to take us into another conversation. Why did Lamar Jackson make the Pro Bowl? Like, we're not mm-hmm. like so. And this is going to connect to my my statement. The NFL is a business. The NFL is about vanity. They're about they're about. Um, analytics and data from like the social media and like fans perspective they're about um the glitz and the glamour and for whatever reason matthew stafford has never he's never had a fan base he's a a deep fan base outside of detroit right and so i think connecting that all to the fact that he just won the super bowl now now the now the lights and the attention are Mm -hmm. on him at a level that's never been before i think again from a branding perspective i don't think he hurt himself in the way that he celebrated. I mean, he's all over TikTok. He's all over social media. People love the, 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 his accent is great. His accent is great. Like he has a great Southern accent. He comes from Georgia. He's a, he's a, he's a Georgia kid, right? Yeah. So he is I think kid. now that he has the attention, now that some of the branding is and the energy, right. And, and the, and the, and the attention is on him now. I do think there's an argument that could be made putting up the numbers that he put up in some of those years you mentioned along with last year, even if he gets to the 4,500, 34 and 10, 34 and eight and sits between that 99 and 102, right? I mean, he's going to, he's going to get into the pro bowl as long as they keep making the playoffs and getting to the second and third round, he's going to do well. He's going to make the, I think he's going to make the pro bowl in the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree. And and that's why, you know, people always get mad. Oh, how is he not a hall of famer? He has the numbers. He has all this and all that. I mean, at the end of the day, it, what's what's so hard about making two more Pro Bowls, given that the Pro Bowl is very easy to make in the eyes of many? If it's such a if it's such if it's an event that has such a low bar and a low standard, then why why is it so much to ask from a quarterback that sh- that people say is a Hall of Famer to make it two more times? I mean, nobody's asking him to be a six-time Pro Bowler; it's just a three-time Pro Bowler. Can he make it two more times before? We start throwing him in the conversation with Hall of Famers. I think that's just where I stand. 100%. All right. Now, shifting over again back to my world, right? Like, you know, I started my first business at 19, built a second brand at 26. Like, everything in my being is about building brands. You know, I have a team now. Um, You know, everything that I think about is entrepreneurship, is brand building, is team building, contracts, negotiations, integrations, partnerships, brand deals. That's like literally my entire life, again, outside of this podcast, right? And so, sidebar and fun fact, before I started my most recent business that I started two years ago, I was this close to starting kind of like a, um, I always wanted to be an agent in the sports world, but I wanted to do like, are you familiar with, you probably are from like a macro perspective. Are you familiar with like Gary Vaynerchuk and AJ Vaynerchuk and what they're doing with, with Vayner sports? I kind of wanted to start yeah. something like that where you not only supported the athlete on the field, but you supported them off the field with endeavors and brand deals and just the way that they're marketed. Um, 
but I never pulled the trigger, right? And so whatever the case is, but when I look at Lamar Jackson, right? I'm a I'm from Baltimore, right? Born and raised my entire life. Um, I love Ravens. I love everything about the Ravens. Another quick ADD sidebar. I think there's an argument that could be made that like people like uh, players like Jamal Lewis should get more more praise. Have you ever looked into his numbers and looked into his performance and his and his capability and thought? I have. You should not. look that up, right? Number one, he had one second or third greatest season in NFL history with rushing, and then he just had a consistent five six year stretch. And I think I know for a fact he's over ten thousand yards rushing. I think his touchdowns are a little low, and that's probably why. But getting to Lamar Jackson, right after that whole little rant, getting to Lamar Jackson, I want to throw an idea at you. You you seem like a smart guy. You mm-hmm. seem like you. You, you may have an opinion around the way contracts should be set up and how teams should interact with players. So I want to see how you, you take this. My issue with Lamar Jackson, since I watch him very closely as a fan, and since I played at a high, high enough level where I know the mentality of an athlete, right? Lamar Jackson, just in my personal opinion, mm-hmm. just looking at it with the naked eye, not knowing any person in his camp, I believe he does not prepare in the offseason enough. I think he's just not prepared okay. physically with his body. And I mean that quite literally. You know, I know what it looks like when an athlete prepares. Like, quite literally with, like, with his physical nature. And I'm not trying to get too direct, but, like, like literally his arms and his legs and his chest. And, like, I've seen the way he looks in the, in the pregame. Like, he's not preparing. And I know that to be true. And that does not bode well as you get older. And that's problematic with your age and, and, and your body and things of that nature. But that's, like, the least of my worries. Because he has a lot of natural ability that he can lean on. My real issue is I don't believe he pay, prepares in the offseason with his footwork, with improving certain variables of his strength to get his arm strength better, his form. And the most important thing, I don't believe he's he's studying in the offseason. I don't think he's watching enough film. I think I think he's doing too much hanging out with Kodak Black. I'm being I'm, I'm not even joking here. People always laugh when I do these rants. I'm actually not joking. I don't think he prepares enough. So here's my suggestion with what we should do with Lamar Jackson. I want to get your thoughts. They should give him 28 to 35 million guaranteed over a four to five year period of time. I don't, I would, I'm not even touching 40 million. I'm not even having that conversation with him and his agents and his mom and his mom's agent, which is another conversation. And the, inside the contract, I give him everything he wants, brother. I give him everything he wants. Contingent on, and I'm being quite literal, meal prep, <laughs> chefs, uh, uh, you know, in the gym doing X, Y, and Z 60% of, of the year, four times a, a week, um, certain amount of time working with a, with a coach, um, film prep, like actually doing the season, doing X, Y, and Z prep, like, like, I, he needs to prepare more and think more about the game of football than I think from the outside looking in and knowing what I know about football. I just don't think he is. I don't think he is taking the, the, the X's and O's and the preparation of football seriously enough. That would be baked in more into the contract clause wise than anything else. Cause this talent is very clear. What's your perspective on that whole rant? I know that is a very out of the box structure of a deal, but if I were going to hesitate on Lamar Jackson, it would not be his injury. It would not be his lack of ability. 
and his whatever the case is, it would be purely on. I just personally don't believe he prepared. You can t- clearly tell he prepared at a crazy level in 2019, prior to 2019. There were there was videos about it. There were people talking about it. I actually have a few homies that know a lot about him and his camp. Like I knew that to be true. Now looking back in how he performed this year prior to being hurt, I just don't think he is. What are your thoughts on that whole rant? I think the only reservations the Ravens should have about paying Lamar Jackson have to do with his health and the play style that he plays with. Uh, he doesn't slide, so Kyler Murray gets injured because he's smaller, but Kyler Murray does a great job of protecting his body, and he slides. Lamar Jackson takes hits. I think he even, he, he even takes on more grueling hits than Cam Newton took on, and he was somebody that was very reckless when it came to running the ball. That's my only worry with Lamar. He got injured this past season. He also didn't have the best year, throwing 16 touchdowns, 13 picks. But he did get hurt, and the Ravens were 8-3 and three at the time that he get he got hurt, or 8-2, and two, one of those. That's my only reservation. I can't speak on his preparation. I think that he does a good job preparing. I think he makes plays out of nothing. And I think Greg Roman, he's a, he's a genius innovator when it comes to rushing attacks and scheming up a run game. But in terms of his passing concepts, mm-hmm. they can be very elementary. And I think that's part of the reason why the Ravens aren't able to maximize uh, their passing game, along with that they don't have receivers. Like outside of Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, who I would say is okay, but he's not an alpha number one. Rashard, Rashard Sammy Hull, Watkins Rashard the Bateman, year before Willie Sneed. He had a good rookie year. I mean, Rashad Bateman is good, but he's nowhere near here right now. And he's not somebody that I would say is a dependable receiver that, oh, now because Rashad Bateman is on the Ravens, Mm -hmm. they're a top 10 passing attack. I still think they lack another receiver to pair with Mm -hmm. Hollywood and Mark Andrews. So, so in that entire rant, let's just see pretty much voided that whole, like you you think, you, you don't think there's preparation issues with him. I can't speak to that because I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Like, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure where it's coming from. I, I don't. I just think based on watching him play in the in the film that I've watched, I don't see him mm. make horrible reads. I don't see him being. I, I don't see that in his game being the reason why. Oh, this was just a really dumb decision by Lamar Jackson. I actually think he does a great job manipulating safeties. I think he does mm. a great job going through his progressions, even though that's been a knock. And I think he is a great he is a great quarterback. He's a top ten quarterback fair. in this league, no doubt. It could be that it could be that fact that I'm a Ravens fan, and you know when you're a really deep fan of a team, you just start to shit on them every time they do something wrong. Uh, it, it probably could be that, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, what would you? How would you structure his deal moving forward? Right? How, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a big topic right now. I think let's take what I said because probably this I probably just have a biased opinion of the preparation and just. Just the way I look at it, maybe a little bit different and unique, based off the injury history now, because he really hasn't had history outside of now. Like based off his style of play and the ankle, how are you structuring his deal? Like throw your GM hat on for a second. It's tough. I think it's just you have to oh, give him oh, whatever he wants. If it like if he he's the Ravens franchise quarterback, I think forty mil is the starting point. And anything less than that, Lamar Jackson is definitely not going to take. Um, I would probably start off at 40 mil. And then 
I wouldn't have the contract fully guaranteed based on his injury concerns, and I'd probably have incentives based on how he plays and playoff wins he wins. But for the most part, I think 40 mil is a starting point Holy for Lamar shit. Jackson. I, I didn't expect you to say that. So so you're saying, so you figure you give him, I'm just pr- pulling out my calendar, you figure, calculate, you figure you give him 40 million, let's say over five years, so you, you'd have the contract at 200 million with how much guaranteed? Over five years, probably over 150 guaranteed. Wow. Yep. That's interesting. I need to check myself then. I did, I, I really, when I put this question down, I was expecting you to say something different, not being a Ravens fan. I thought, because I've heard a lot of people that are not Ravens fans look at him a lot har- more harshly than I. And, I. and I actually listened to the podcast. Where did you guys rank him? You guys put him at like nine or ten, right? I think uh, for me, at okay. least, I put him around okay. like the seven, eight. Who did you have ahead of him? Mahomes, Rogers, Allen, Herbert, Herbert, in front um, of Lamar. He's definitely in front of Lamar Jackson. Let's okay. Can we debate a little bit? Uh, We could if you want to break this down for me. You putting you putting Herbert in front of Lamar. Definitely. I don't think there's a reason why you can put Lamar in front of Herbert you right trust, now. You trust Herbert more. In a, in, when you analyze quarterbacks, let me ask you this, actually, so we can like understand the debate, right? When you analyze quarterbacks, do you look at what do you look at outside of pure skill and the team they have around them? Do you look at, like, do you say, okay, if you were to take Herbert and put him on the Ravens and then put Lamar on, you know, the the chart like do you do that like how do you analyze when you when you compare two different players that play the same position how do you analyze it? I look at everything. I look at scheme. I look at uh, their attributes. Mm-hmm. So arm power, decision making, athleticism, their ability to improvise, their ability to go through progressions. I look at well, most importantly, I think a, the scheme is important. I look at their supporting cast of talent around them. Uh, I look at everything, and then advanced analytics also play a huge part in that. I really don't think there's a debate for Lamar Jackson. I mean, this isn't 2019 where he won his MVP season. I mean, Justin Herbert is the first quarterback in NFL history to throw for 30-plus touchdowns in his first two seasons starting. Last year, as a rookie, was behind the worst offensive line in football, yet set every single rookie record imaginable by a quarterback. And this year, his defense was dead last in terms of stopping the run. They couldn't stop the run for anything. The defense was a bottom five defense. The offensive line did get better, but his supporting cast is weapons. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are good, but they don't have a dependable third receiver. The tight end is in, is inconsistent. And Herbert had a great, phenomenal year. I mean, he was at some point in the MVP conversation. Lamar Jackson throwing 13 touchdowns, 16 touchdowns, 13 picks. I mean, that just doesn't move the needle. I think Herbert, from a talent perspective, is more talented than Lamar Jackson. And I think when you look at both supporting casts, they oh, are very oh, similar. And we'll, we'll wrap this debate up because that, that, that'll, we'll, we'll finish the whole show doing this. So the wide receiver core is objectively better than the Ravens. Come on now. Now, now I know you're probably throwing, you're, you're throwing Mark Andrews in there probably for the wide receiver core, correct? Who is objectively amazing, right? So you're probably throwing it. I see how you're yeah. balancing it out. Okay, that's true. 
Now, before Lamar got hurt, we were ooh, eight and three. You, you guys were in the three. injuries that the Ravens suffered. You put Justin in there. You think he's withstanding that? Do I think Justin Herbert's withstanding the injuries that the, the Ravens? Ravens dealt with? Right, because that was something that a lot of people were starting to finally pay attention. The, the Ravens were not are not eight and three without Lamar Jackson with the amount of injuries they had. Do you think if you were just to swap out and put Justin there, they still would have been eight and three? I don't see why not. I mean, there were a lot of injuries to the Ravens, but the position group that was injured the most was running backs, a running back, which is the most replaceable position in football. Running backs don't matter in the modern NFL. They just don't. You can find one off the street to run for, to rush for a thousand yards Mm -hmm. behind a good offensive line and scheme. The Ravens offensive line was not as bad as people think it was. It was still ranked as a top 15 offensive line. Mark Andrews is better than any group of tight ends the Combined. Chargers can put out there. Chargers, Chargers receiving core is better than the Ravens for sure, but they they are not. It's a similar supporting cast. You know, Lamar Jackson wasn't behind one of the worst offensive lines. It's not like he had no receivers, and just his decision making is not on par with a guy like Herbert. I mean, Herbert was, I would say, flat out phenomenal, and it's just his second season. I think you just shitted on me on that debate there. I hear you. Um. This is connected to this. This question I have is connected to this. What's one opinion about an NFL player that you have in the league right now and that that most people would disagree with? What's an opinion about an NFL say? player right now in the league that most people would disagree with that you have? Like, What's an opinion that you have about an NFL player in the league right now that most people would say you're fucking crazy for that opinion? Hmm, I would have to think about it. Well, I think Zach Wilson's going to be a top 15 or 10 <laughs> quarterback next year. <laughs> You're being legitimate right now. I'm being serious. I think but Zach Wilson's going to be a star. next year. Top 15's T, bare minimum for him. That's that's me being generous. Generous. I think he's gonna be yeah, higher. Yeah, break this. Give me give me a thirty second spit on this. Break that down for me. I mean, for one, Zach Wilson's arm talent is off the charts. His his play in the second half of the season was very encouraging against some really good defenses. He managed to limit his turnovers, and sometimes they didn't even have turnovers. This offseason, we're going to do as much as we can to get weapons and dynamic playmakers around him. Elijah Moore is already good. Corey Davis is pretty good. We have to get a number one wide receiver. We trade for Calvin Ridley. Mm. That solves a lot of problems. Our offensive line was the 13th ranked offensive line this past season. We have some good running backs. We can use another one. And signing a tight end. I think this offseason, they're just going to go all in on surrounding Zach Wilson to be successful. And I think he has the talent, the ability, and the moxie to, to be you one like, of the better um, quarterbacks in the NFL. You like the the former first-round pick by the Ravens, that tight end that went to Atlanta for a couple of years? You like him? What's his name? Um, do you know who I'm talking about? He was with um, he uh, was Atlanta. Hold on. Uh, oh, shit, what is his name? Tight end, Atlanta. He, no. Austin Hooper? He was with uh he was a former first round pick of the Ravens. 
Ooh, I'm, I'm, I need to Google this. Uh, I think he was like 2019 first round pick, tight end Ravens. Um, this is going to kill me. Oh no, he wasn't 2019. Might have been 18. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it. There's there's a there's a there's a tight end that the Ravens traded to Atlanta that they drafted in the first round. I think they drafted him like 25 or 27. Um, he has long hair. He he's good. He played because who who did who did uh who did Atlanta draft last year or this year at tight end? Now that just had a great season at tight end. He he's kind of like a wide. What's his name? Kyle Pitts. Yeah, Kyle Pitts. He was behind Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Um, I'm blanking on it, but yeah, that that could be a nice pickup. He's out there right now, and he's a really really good tight end. But obviously, Atlanta doesn't need. Well, I guess they could use him, but they're not doing a two headed tight end tight end monster right now. They're kind of just going all in on Kyle. Which is, what are your thoughts on Kyle briefly? I think Kyle is a great player. He's going to be a great player for a long time. Uh, I didn't think he was going to have this great of a season. He arguably had one of the best rookie tight end seasons dude, no one's talking, dude, in the history of the game. That, I think Atlanta. He didn't get any headlines for that. I mean, it's because he plays in Atlanta. It's, it's the same reason why Matt Ryan, people still view him. People view him, Matt, people view Matt Ryan as not a good quarterback. And it's because he plays in Atlanta and they're losing and nobody really cares about them. But he had a pretty good season when you account for all the shit that was around him. And Matt Matt Ryan is somebody who's underrated and in a good situation can be the difference to why that team makes a big playoff runner or playoff push. The Atlanta, just nobody really cares about them. And I think that's why take, he take Matt Ryan and drop him on a team right now that Matt could do what Matthew Stafford just did. Drop him on a team right now. Oh, I would say the bro. Colts. That's fucking beautiful. Put you would take. What are your thoughts on Carson Wentz, real quick? Because that's interesting. That you said that. What are your thoughts on him? You so you would swap them out? Yeah, I mean, I think Carson Wentz is not a good quarterback anymore. Um, it, it's not that he's horrible. I just think that he likes to play outside of the structure of the system too far too often. And I think with a team like the Colts that are fixated on running the ball and playing within a system, it's not the best of fits. And because of that, I think they can use a quarterback in the Jimmy Garoppolo realm that can manage a game. But an upgrade over Jimmy G would be, of course, Matt Ryan, who can who can manage a game but can also make plays outside mm -hmm. of outside of structure. And I, and I want and that for him, dude. He has way. he maybe has two years left in his league to be able to actually try to get to a Super Bowl. Or do something meaningful in his career, because he what is he ha he has to be like thirty six easily right now thirty seven. He has to be. He's thirty six. He came up with the Joe Flacco of the world, and they used to try to compare the two, and then he just completely shitted on Joe Flacco's career. Even though Joe Flacco had a you know you know me I'm a Ravens fan I think he had arguably one of the greatest Super Bowl runs in NFL history. So, um, you know I'm thankful for that, but. But no, that that is a great just dropping him down and with the Colts. Is there another team that you think he could do like a Matthew Stafford type run? Do to drop him down on somebody? Who could he? Get? Um, I think the Rams are with those that team. I think the Forty ers but That's they're gonna bad. play Trey Lance. 
really there there are very maybe Denver. I can I view know. Denver as another team like that that can use Matt Ryan. They're like a Matt Ryan what about way. the Browns. I, the Browns are also a great pick. I mean, I think they're also a quarterback needs, away. He, Baker I, Mayfield, I don't think is a good quarterback. He needs so to not play. That's football. a pretty good destination. I, 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 I objectively hate him. Everything about <laughs> him. I, I don't like his character. I, I hope he gets punched in the face one day. Like I, I don't. And I know that's bad. I don't like him at all. I do not like him. I, I haven't liked him coming out. Um, I have a few homies that actually know him personally. I hear he's not a good guy. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I think. And I think he thought the NFL was going to be a lot easier than it actually is. What are your thoughts on him just as a player? Like, do you think he came in a little too arrogant? I think he needed to have a chip on his shoulder. I don't think his struggles are necessarily due to him being arrogant. I think he's just a quarterback that is a mid-tier talent. I mean, coming out of college, he didn't have the strongest arm. It's an average arm at best. He doesn't have elite mobility. He has, I would say, average like mobility, a little bit below average mobility. And and him as a quarterback, his bread and butter was his accuracy. And when your bread and butter is accuracy in the NFL and you're not as accurate as you were in college, I mean, that's a problem. I just think he was somebody who was drafted a little bit too high. He's a bridge starter. He's a starting quarterback, but he's not a franchise quarterback and he, he's not a number one pick he's more jared goff than he is matthew let's switch Stafford. gears real quick how much better do you think john morant gets what do you think his ceiling you, you, how, what do you think his peak is like you mean give me some numbers think, in like just his overall play what do you think that ceiling is i think john morant can be an mvp i don't see why not um i think He's definitely already a top five point guard in the NBA, and he has a very high ceiling. He's a, he's a superstar player, and he's somebody who can be the best player on a championship question? team. John Morant, yeah, at his peak, whatever you think that is, versus Derrick Rose at his peak. Who are you taking? And you saw what his peak was. I'm taking Thank you. I'm taking Derrick Rose still. I just think Derrick Rose is more explosive. I think he his Ooh. athleticism was more powerful. I know that John Moran is he's a freak athlete, but I think if you watch Derrick Rose, the things that he would do would just I don't I've never seen them before. Not even from John Moran. It Jai is as close as it gets, but even him, it, it, Dude, it was I, I've been totally looking, different. I, I've never, I've never seen this clip in real time, and I'm, I've been trying to find it for years. It's a, there's a play where, dude, he has to jump from. It damn near looked like the foul line. I know it wasn't. That's 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 exaggerating clearly, but the way that when you use the word explosive, the way that he would jump, and I know John Moran does this as well, but the way he would jump with two legs, and just, and just do the double hand, just tomahawk slam on people's throats, were just. <laughs> I've never seen anything like that from a guy of his stature. I've never seen that before. Yeah, I mean these guys have these guys have incredible bounce and athleticism. It's actually it's amazing how somebody can be so athletic. Uh, I studied they're both special in school for sure. in the two years I was there, and went did like some personal training once I was like trying to get some brands off the ground and. I remember at that time when he kept getting those injuries, watching a lot of videos. Hit the way that the way that um, 
the way that uh, Derrick Rose would land, he didn't. If you look, if you watch how John Moran and any typical NBA player lands when they come to the ground, they have like shocks. Like think of it like a vehicle. Like they have like shocks in their knees where they kind of do a little bit of a bend. Derrick used to like come straight legged down on that knee constantly, and he had been doing that since Memphis and high school. And there were some doctors. I remember watching some videos where some doctors were breaking it down and saying. That's why just over the years of just having such that explosiveness, that's why a lot of the cartilage and some of the muscles around that knee just got broken down. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but. Yeah, I've heard of that before, and um, it, it makes sense. And it, like, don't get me wrong, it makes a lot of sense, the impact and just those type of things as to why he got injured, but. I think that you can point to multiple plays and where mm. Russell Westbrook lands a little bit awkwardly. John Morant lands awkwardly. Uh, just freakish athletic players land awkwardly, and they don't get injured. You know, with Derrick Rose, it was just it just hap- it just happened to happen that way. You know, I think that we can all say if he landed this way, he would have protected his knee. You know, much more. But then again, I see players land awkwardly a lot and they don't get injured so i think it was just if bad luck started, and this Rose. has been a, a fun topic with me and the homies i think there's so many players that like again just with my entrepreneurship background i'm always thinking about like how would i combine how would i combine branding supporting the nfl the former nfl player as they age and like a second tier you know, Hall of Fame model. Like, if I were to create something like that, because I feel like there's so many, like, they were so good, but not good enough to make it to the Hall of Fame that should get the commercials, should get, you know, the pub deals, should get the book deals, should be talked about more, should have the podcast, because they were so impactful. If you were to make, like, a second-tier Hall of Fame list, who would your first, let's call it, eight players be on that first ballot? Like, just a tier under the traditional model of what we know. NBA or NFL. Pick In the whatever NBA? one you care most about. Man, I would... Um, I'll talk about the they NBA. They do, bro. They do. But everybody gets into the Hall of Fame in the NBA, so I'll talk about the, I'll talk, I'll talk about the NFL. Um, I think Philip Rivers... This is, this is your first eight out get of in. every NFL Matt player that Ryan. has ever played, in your personal opinion. Yeah, I think Philip Rivers definitely is one of my picks. Matt Ryan is the second pick. Um, trying to think of that. great corners. Antonio yeah, Cromartie, I'm not sure if he's been inducted yet, but he should be in for sure. Um, I think Levante David, like he's he's somebody who doesn't have the resume, but he should definitely be a Hall of Famer. That's four. Um, Levante David. I oh, go yeah, with, baby. Let's uh, go. Haloti Nada. It's another one. He probably does. It's really like, good. Like, like he probably does make the Hall of Fame. Third or fourth try. Um, I think Jared Allen was snubbed. Uh, Vikings defensive end. He me, was snubbed in the Hall of Fame. He should have got in. Um, he was how actually. How he didn't times, actually. Though, he didn't get in up? this year. It's just crazy. Okay. He'll, he'll get. He uh, this was the first time he was able to apply. Yeah, I think he should get in. Let me try to think about some wide receivers. 
uh, maybe Roddy okay. White. I like Roddy that. White was I like a that. receiver People, for I mean, a lot of years. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to look up his stats. I like that. I like that. That was interesting. Um, It's hard for me to think of out the top of Anquan these Bolden. players. He'll, he'll get in. Um, Anquan Bolden is another one that's interesting. I think Devin Hester also. Devin Hester didn't make it, but he should definitely make it as a uh, just a special teams player. Um, Roddy, and then I guess one more I can put is uh, mm, the Brickishoff. That's true. Brickishoff Ferguson. R- Roddy had a, uh, yeah, I can see why he had. He only has only right. <laughs> he has four Pro Bowls, one All Pro, eight hundred and eight reception yards, pretty much eleven thousand yards, but he only has sixty three touchdowns. So the touchdown is always a factor with the receivers, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's mostly the Pro Bowls, though. Just I think it that that's really accolades in that sense are actually was. Yeah, like I would probably do so just players. to like Bramwell, just a few, not the full ten or eight. Rather, I would do Steve Smith. Uh, I probably would do. Again, I just Jamal Lewis was just great. Like people just don't like just don't pay attention to that. Like he had a solid six years. Um. You know, you know what's funny? I think that, and you're probably going to laugh at this, I've always thought they should have like a most impactful list. And I think the NFL does give him enough. I think the, I think the world of sports gives him enough credit, so I think he's good. But Michael Vick should just have like a special place in NFL history from like a notoriety perspective. Um, I've always thought of that. That'd be dope. And then I'll just do one more. I like how Ocho Cinco. I like how Chad pushes his narrative of why he should be in. Oh fuck, fuck! Actually, bro, meet me here, Brandon Marshall. What are your thoughts on that, Brent? Have you pulled up? Well, have you looked at Brandon Marshall's stats? Yeah, I mean he's unbelievable. But you, you let me give you another opinion before I make myself look. Cr- yes, I do. I'm yes, I do. He, I'm going to round it up. He has a thousand reception yards. I'm going to round it up. He has twelve thousand plus yards and eighty three touchdowns and six Pro Bowls. I mean, I think that Brandon Marshall has a great case for the Hall of Fame. I think the only thing that mm. hurts him is that he never played in a playoff game. And no team he's been on has ever made the playoffs, but individually, I mean, he he stacks up. And, and isn't that the, the argument though that Terrell Owens used to always make that is the Hall of Fame made is is the Hall of Fame about Super Bowls and about status, or is the Hall of Fame more about individual accolations? It's more about status, and I, I think. That's the biggest flaw with the NFL Hall of Fame is that it's more about status and it, it glorifies team accomplishments more so than individual accolades, which it's weird because football is the ultimate team game. So to measure any singular player by a team accolade no, no, is, is, I, 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 think, pretty I couldn't dumb. agree more, bro. Um, couple, couple last things here. Some rapid fire shit real quick. You're the GM now, but but actually you're not a GM. You're you're in Odell Beckham's camp, right? I think I want to say I'm just going off a of gut. Is Odell like he's 27? Let me look that up. Is he 27? 
28? 29. Okay. Even better. I think he's 29. You're in Odell's camp, right? What are you doing with Odell from a... What, what advice are you giving Odell how his career should go moving forward? If you're his manager, if you're in his camp, you're his homie, you're like, bro, you're 29, you probably got a solid three, four years in a league at a high level. What do you do with him? Where does he go? How does he start to overcome these injuries? How do you how do you write the script of his career over the next three, four years in the best ideal way? I think you re-sign with the Rams on a one-year prove-it deal, uh, again, because he tore his ACL. And after that, I think he has a great season. Then you test the free agency market. You get a long-term deal with another team, and then you just go from there. But I think he already proved himself by him going to the Rams and winning a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford and that crew. He was labeled as a problem in Cleveland, as a misfit with New York. And I think him going to Los Angeles just proves that Cleveland was a dog shit place, and with with a bad quarterback in New York, we know what they've been like. They've they've been they've been a dump, dumpster fire. So I think OBJ right now looks like the victor and looks like the one that and was he, always in the right. He, he's a free agent now, right? Do you? So you're in his camp. He is you, a free agent. Do you tell him, hey, bro, go back, go back to LA, or do you, or do you tell him to change again? Stick it out with uh, Matt Stafford I would, I would tell until him to Matthew go back. retires, right? Because they have all the yeah, pieces. I, you I know would they're going to keep Cooper sure. Cup. You know they need that number two. He's a, I mean, you want to talk about a number two receiver? He'll be the he'll be the best number two receiver in the league for the next three four years. Um, the defense, I think, I think they're, I think they respect. Actually, another quick sidebar. Do you think Aaron Donald retires? Because that's going to kind of connect to my statement around their defense. Do you think and, – and where did that narrative even come from? I guess someone inside of his camp said it was a possibility or someone heard it. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? you think it's a money thing? I don't think he retires. That's just my opinion personally. I don't think it's a money thing. I think it was more so of a legacy thing, and I think it was – Something of him at the moment saying, you know, if I win, what else do I have left to accomplish? And I think that he, the only thing left he has to accomplish is prove that he's better Ooh, than Lawrence Taylor. Tough, that's tough. And I think accolades-wise, if he accolades-wise, if he plays two, three more years at the same level, he's going to surpass what Lawrence Taylor. Are you looking at just Pro Bowls, yeah. All Pros? He won't uh, pass him in sacks. That's really it. That's position. really it. Yeah, you know he's a, he's an interior defensive lineman, so it's a it's a little bit different from no, that's that's rushing fair. the edge like Lawrence so Taylor you keep did. Odell there, you ride it out to Matthew. You know, you what do you say? Sign a sign a three year deal. Yeah, sign a three. Yeah, deal. I think Stay that's with reasonable. Matthew Stafford, ride it out, and then at that point he'll be what thirty two, mm, and then and then assess it right. See see what Matthew's doing. See where the team is, and then figure out the next step right. Yeah, Matthew right now is actually older. He's 34, so three-year deal would be around like 37, 38. I think yeah. that's right where he'll like start to 
fall off a bit. So I All think right, brother, last that's two that's a perfect deal for you on time. Brawny, hear this idea out or this thought out. This isn't even a full baked idea. In question, frankly, you send you're in his camp again. I'm asking you to kind of do this, like, because that's one thing. I, I I get a gut feeling, like. Can I, can I predict your future at some point? I get a gut feeling that you'll always be in the content space, but I have a gut feeling you're a smart kid or a smart, I shouldn't call you a kid because I'm a little, you're, you're a smart, grown-ass man. Um, I, I have a good feeling that you'll, uh, <laughs> are you interested in shit like that? Like, are you are you more kind of like me on like, do you like contracts? Do you like the branding side? Do you like the business side of sports? Are you more just raw analytics, data, sports, on field shit like where where do you kind of go when you think about things like that i just think i love sports you know i don't think too much about the future or what i'm going to be doing i'm just happy to be doing what i'm doing now and i'm trying to push it to as far as it can go so that that's my main focus right now facts, i don't really facts. think too okay. much about uh well, what i'll what do some can of the dreaming for you. I, I i could see that happen for you but like I, I could see you kind of potentially getting into the business realm of sports so Appreciate it. Again, you're in Bronny's camp, right? Are you telling? Because you you've heard the stories that the you know LeBron you know has aspirations of quite literally playing with his son and and kind of having that fairy tale moment. Do you do you advise Bronny to enter the G League very similar to how Dwayne Wade's son did and try to then use that as his first year to kind of prep to the strength and the speed of an NBA type atmosphere and then make the transition to play with his dad? Or do you, or do you advise him to go to a big conference in the D one, right? Uh, you know, all the, you know, we don't have to name all the major conferences. I mean, anyone that knows sports knows them. Do you, do you recommend he does a one and done there and tries to then take his talents to the NBA? How, what, what do you advise him to do? Well, I think it all depends on how good Bronny right is. You know, if Bronny is, it, yeah, you know, if he's one of the best players in the country, then, you know, it's going to be much harder for LeBron to play on his team because whether he goes the G League route or he goes the college route, he's still going to have to enter the draft. So if he is one of the best players in that draft and he gets drafted to a bad team, LeBron is probably not going to play with him. So I think probably like best case scenario wise for them to play together would be for Bronny to go undrafted mm. or for him to at least be like a late round pick and the team that Bron is on is the one that drafts him. But really it just depends on how good Bronny is. You know, it really depends. You know, right now he he's a good player in high school. I wouldn't say he's one of the better ones in terms of like the superstar players that are currently in high school, but he has a long way to go. But I think the best route for kids these days might be the G League depending on who they are. If if they are one of the top players in the country, the G League I think makes much more sense because they already have an established brand and name. But if you're a player that isn't ranked, I don't think the G League is the best spot because it it'll, it'll probably just expose do you think that the, player do, more. Do you think the pressure will will and this is hard to say because we don't know the mental makeup of Bronny, right? We haven't really seen him be tested yet. He's, he, you know, he, he he's he's at the one of the best schools in the country with some of the best coaches and the best strength and conditioning and the best atmosphere with the best dad. I mean, we haven't really seen him try to climb an uphill battle yet. But do do you get a gut feeling he could he could be biting off more than he can chew with these aspirations? Kind of 
stepping into the shoes of a, you know, his name is Ron, you know, he, you know, he's going to be stepping into the shoes of his father. Like, do you have those, those gut feelings that he just obviously, you know, he, it's objectively true. He's not going to live up to the hype. Like no human being will probably for the next 50 years. But do you think it'll be too much for him? Do you think it'll turn into kind of like Michael Jordan's son who was, you know, in college averaging like seven points a game and I think tried to make it and just, just didn't and ended up getting into other shit. Like, do you think it will, he'll end up being that way? Or do you just see, do you see his talent progressing? It's a possibility that it does. I mean, that he does. It's very hard to be an all-star or a great NBA player. But um, I think that he recognizes that, and he recognizes he doesn't have to be in the shadow of his dad. I mean, I think LeBron, knowing who he is, probably has already had multiple conversations with Bronny about how he doesn't have to take the same path, and he can be his own person. And he just yeah. recently signed with FaZe, which is one of the bigger content creator creator groups on the internet. You know, so... He's paving his own path, mm -hmm. and I think That's he so understands true. he doesn't he have to do be that. LeBron James. And I think, you know, that was a smart move. He's obviously LeBron's son. You know, he, he's never going to have to worry about money again. So I always wonder on the psychology, right, of, of, a, of an athlete when money's never going to be an issue, how, how you approach the game as you age, right? Um, final question, and, his, and this is honestly something that I've heard be, you know, I've heard people talk about it, not publicly, but I've heard a couple homies that really know sports throw this out here. And you're probably going to be like, what the hell? Does does Russell Wil Wilson, does Russell Westbrook, right? Do you think he should retire? Follow with me here. Mm -hmm. Retire next season. Or, 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 hold on, or restructure no, his role. I don't think so. Get his ego in check. And when I mean his ego, I just mean the way he views himself as a player and take more of a Camelo, I can't even talk here, type role for the next three years and right off into the sunset. How, how do you think he should navigate the next three years of his career? Because you already know where the league's going. He cannot shoot. He will never be able to shoot. He needs to get into a different system. But I think he needs to kind of do what Carmelo Anthony did which is an ego check, a mentality check, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an adjustment of his style. I think he needs to embrace a new role. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, I don't, he's still a starter for sure. And, but it's just, he needs the ball at such a, a high rate. And I don't know what team in the NBA that's trying to compete would want Russell Westbrook handling the ball that long. So I think that the best role that suits him is a six-man off the bench and being the playmaker, the lead playmaker and scorer off the bench for a team. And that way he can add on to his resume. But I think it's really hard to gauge where Russell Westbrook is at because he has such a different skill set from other all-time great players and with a player that much of his career was predicated on how athletic he was and losing that athleticism as he ages, it, it is very telling that uh, the skill isn't isn't there as other great players have had it. You know, it, he's not as skilled as other players. So I would probably say like he has to embrace a bench off the role, and I think that's the best possible where do you place scenario for where him. You, you know, you know, you're in this camp. You're 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 a friend of his. You say, look, brother. You got to readjust this role. Go go talk to Carmelo Anthony. Go go talk to how how he adjusted his game. Even though I know 
at this point in your career, you're objectively better than Carmelo Anthony was at that point in his career when he had to make the adjustment. But it's clearly not going to work out in L.A. Where do you put him? I would put him Dude, he's never gonna with the Clippers. He's never going to do shit for the rest of his life if he goes there. I don't know. I think he can. I think the Clippers are in a way better position that to win than the Lakers. It's a big, bold statement that just happened at the end of this podcast. You think the Clippers are in a better position than the Lakers moving forward future-wise, is what you're saying, correct? That's fair because, okay. Yeah, without right. a doubt. Because the Lakers just throw players together and have no true systematic approach to putting a team together. Yeah, right? Yeah, that, and I think just the aging, the team, the it's aging disgusting. of the team, it's, it's just, fun watch, it's just the right? mess with the Lakers have right now. <laughs> At all. That's the way we'll end this, bro. Listen, um, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I, I bounced all around. Um, I tried to bring a little ADD to the conversation because I knew, um, I knew you'd be able to talk about a lot of different things. So, look, I appreciate you, number one, accepting just the random outreach. Um, number two, keep doing what you're doing on the podcast. Number three, I hope that you personally share this podcast. I think it's, I think from a branding perspective and a professional just career perspective, anyone that's doing something substantial in podcasting, anyone that appreciates you individually on your podcast with your homies, I think it'd be nice to hear them, hear you individually and kind of hear you in a different light and hear some of the story that we talked about in the beginning. And uh, I'm honored, bro. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Anytime. This was a this was a great conversation. I appreciate you for having right, me so on. Do me a favor uh, I wish nothing but the best out. for you moving forward, um, man. I don't know if you use Riverside. You're going to see some confetti at the at the top here on that uploading. Um, just just hold on with me for about thirty seconds after I end here. I right, appreciate you, bro. Okay, that's fine. No problem.
ass is sharp Slightly paranoid, can't believe I'm slimly Nah, bullshit miss me I tell her what it is, then lies This my fantasy high Saying goodbye I lay at night, it didn't do suffice